Hello, and welcome to the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allison Sukameli. Each week, I'll be taking the science of positive psychology, adding a little humor, and through evidence-based research, providing you with tools and strategies to help you live a life of peace and purpose. In this episode, we'll be talking about emotional eating, the secret energy of food, shame and guilt around food, being 100% in your yes, and diabetes. But first, if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can also follow me on Instagram at the Lemon Tree Coaching. Thank you for all the kind comments and the inspiration that you give right back to me. Okay, let's get into it. My guest this week is Leslie Urbis. She is the founder and CEO of LeslieUrbis.com, a health concierge who can help you detox your kitchen, teach you the secret energy of food, a military veteran, clinical dietitian, and a fitness and nutrition instructor. She earned a Master's of Science in Dietetics from the University of North Florida, as well as a certification as a diabetes educator. She did an internship in dietetics at St. Louis University. So please enjoy this conversation with Leslie Urbis. Hi, Leslie. Nice to meet you and welcome to the show. Thanks. Same to you. Nice to meet you as well. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. You have a very impressive background. So please tell us more about your background, your business and what you do. Yeah, I love that. I love uh, you. You nailed it, by the way. I was like, Thanks. wow. Okay. She's, she's making me sound so prestigious. I was like, hold on, let me sit up no, straighter. Absolutely. I'm impressed. <laughs> I was like, let me sit up straighter and pretend like I got number. I'm playing around. I don't have my doctorate. That was something that in my master's degree, the one teacher was like, you need to go get your doctorate. I was like, I don't need to do anything. No, I only, <laughs> I'm only finishing this master's because I started it. Uh, but I have no desire to ever be a doctor because I don't yeah. want to be an actual medical doctor is how I view right. it. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you, you nailed it on everything. Uh, my career really as a CEO and business owner really arose from two points in the history. You know, I can remember sitting in my college classes in St. Louis thinking, I just need to be an entrepreneur. I'm not cut out to do these things. But that wasn't what I was taught. I was taught to be safe, go a traditional route, get a job, get paid by somebody else. That's the way we do it. And so I silenced my brain as much as I possibly could, even though I knew wholeheartedly that I I needed to do this. So I guess I did what I thought was the next best thing. And in my internship, I learned about a position in the United States Navy as a dietitian. And I was like, sure, let me go check this thing out. And I sure did. And I remember coming home from the first meeting. I met the guy that was in charge of it at uh, a Panera Bread in St. Louis, Missouri. And he had me sign a piece of paper because as an officer, you have to go all the way up to the approval of the president for him to sign you in. It's like your first screening to make sure that there's nothing there. Uh, that you can be potentially a a United States military candidate. I remember coming home to my parents and my parents like, you did what? You signed what? What are you talking about? You're just so, I was like, dad, it's going to take more than one piece of paper to make me legally tied to the United States Navy. Trust me. So anyway, so many months later I did, that was my first job. I was a, a dietitian in the United States Navy, stuck around for quite a bit because I became a reservist. And then Uh, I worked as a civilian in my same exact office, just not in uniform. And that was where I think the entrepreneur bug just kept growing stronger and stronger for for reasons of the first reason being, 
watching military families suffer a little bit because I'd always get a woman, uh, typically coming into my office, really distraught in over her head. You know, this kid's got allergies. This kid's got ADHD. Her husband's got to fit into his clothes for, you know, work. And she's, she's just trying to do it all. Right. Um, so super stressed out and she has no possible way of getting herself help. Right. Mm -hmm. So she comes to me because the doctor refers her and I'm like, I can only address your problems. I can't address your child, your child or your husband's because by law and codes, I'm not allowed to help you. So there was just this big deficit that I saw and it was a struggle because I could literally not help them. I could point them in the right direction for resources. But I, you know, I was just talking to somebody earlier today. Knowledge is awesome, but if you don't know how to implement it, it's just more confusing. And that's mm-hmm. where I really felt people were. So I was getting a calling more and more. Uh, but the kicker became when I would say to my boss, you know, it's 3:30, I get off at 4:30, <laughs> and gravity's got my chair covered. <laughs> sitting on the ground. So I think I'm ready to go. And they'd be like, no, you can't go. You have to stay until the end of your shift. And I was like, and do what? <laughs> Stare at the wall, scroll Facebook, be bored. And I, I just kept remembering over and over, like, this is just not where I should be. Like, I'm so mm-hmm. bored. Uh, so I dabbled in being a beach body coach first, because <laughs> that was something to do on social media. And I had access to that, right? So little by little, I I had our daughter, uh, my husband was military and he was gone and it just became more impossible for me to take an hour drive in the evenings due to all the traffic to get back home to my daughter. So I I quit and shortly after became an entrepreneur and I've I've never looked back. Uh, It's it's hard for me sometimes to say that though, to think I'm an entrepreneur because I'm like, I mean, I guess I am because I have a business, but I, you know, you don't like go and get a certification or like a schooling. You're just like, I'm an entrepreneur. Right. And yeah, so my brain is still wraps around that one, but that's how I got to here. So yeah, no, you definitely are an entrepreneur. Um, and I'm just curious, did your time in the military, did that kind of shape your ideas about nutrition and forming healthy habits in any way? Uh, yes and no. I would love to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but no, uh, unfortunately the military, I mean, they do their best. I mean, they do mm-hmm. their best with the resources that they have, but I was always a healthy eater. Uh, you know, just going to school to be a dietitian made me a healthy eater. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I would say in the military, you still find all sorts of walks of people, Mm -hmm. people that actually want to be healthy and do the things they need to do. And then the people that don't want to be healthy and don't want to do the things they need to do. So it's just like any other job, you know, they're technically forced to be in a certain shape and forcing people to do something we, we all know doesn't actually make it happen. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Very interesting. And you work a lot with, um, emotional eating. Is that correct? Yes. So I I really dive into the emotions, the physical, the mental, and the actual weight that weighs people down, freeing them from the shame, the guilt, the worry, the Googling, the anxiety around food, nutrition, health, weight. Mm -hmm. Almost being a mother or a father can be tied in there too, because there's so much with food around that. Uh, and what to give to your kids. So that as well. Yeah. And is there anything people can do? Or could you maybe clearly define, like, how does someone know if they're doing emotional eating? What is emotional eating? And what can people do maybe to stop themselves from being an emotional eater? 
I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. I would honestly tell you everybody is an emotional eater. Even somebody that believes that they're completely eating 100% clean is an emotional eater. Mm-hmm. Why is that true? Because they're eating from the emotion that they believe that eating the clean food is the most healthy version for mm-hmm. them. And that's not exactly the case. Food has emotion, right? People like people will associate food as good and bad till the cows come home. Like I was on a call earlier today with somebody and she's like, right, we all know what to do when right. faced with the, the Snickers bar or the salad, we're supposed to choose the Snickers bar. And I went to her and I was like, that's not always true. And she said, what? She said, you're a dietitian, right? I said, yes, but it's not always true. You have an innate nature to know. There are actually times that I'm staring at a healthy food that you won't see me touch it because mm-hmm. I know based on the food and what I teach, that is not going to do well in my body. Even though we would think it would, it's actually not going to do well in my body. So, so I go into that, but it's, you know, ask any three-year-old whose ice cream falls on the floor, how (laughs) happy they are about that. Food is emotion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Food is emotion. You know, the first time you go to a party, the first time your mom lets you eat more candy than you're supposed to eat, the first time you open up your Halloween basket, the first time you even get the piece of candy from the random person on Halloween, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The first time you, uh, you know, go to a new state and you try the Philadelphia, uh, uh, what do you call those? Uh, Cheese steaks, right? Is that right? Um, Yeah. 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 Or you go to, you go to Key West and you try key lime pie. The moment you do those things, there's an emotional charge. There's an emotional hype. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to try X, Y, or Z from X, Y, or Z. And so that puts an emotion with food and excitement to try something new. So there's nobody that doesn't emotionally eat because food is emotion. Food has a connection. Mm -hmm. Food is a piece of us. Food has attachments. While it is not good or bad, we place that on the food. This is good. This is bad. I should or should not consume this food. But ultimately, everybody is emotional eating. Even when they're choosing to eat 100% clean and 100% healthy, they're choosing that from the emotion of I'm controlling, in quote, in quotes, right? Yeah. Controlling what I am eating, Mm -hmm. but you're not, because Mm -hmm. if you're not growing it, you still have no control over it. Mm -hmm. You just think you do. Mm -hmm. So, so we all are emotionally eating. If I had to define it, I mean, I would just say food is emotion. Mm -hmm. So I like that. (laughs) Thanks. And now I'm hungry. (laughs) Right. Who isn't? I know, right? But you're so true. I've never thought of it that way, that it's a new experience when you go to a new place. And I love trying new foods, but I've never quite thought of it in that way until you said it. So that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And then I kind of already know the answer to this question because you pretty much just said it, but do you work with teenagers a lot in some of your programs? And yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mostly work with women. Um, I do work with kids when the mom wants me to. I have never marketed to it. I've considered it, but there's a lot more hoops that go with that Mm -hmm. um, when you're talking about educating with a child Mm -hmm. because you have to pretty much record them. 
you've got to let the mom kind of know what's going on. There can be a lot of gray area. Um, You know, I have a lot of women that I find out that, you know, were emotionally abused or physically abused or raped or things at a very young age, which is why they have all this weight on them. And it's so emotional for them when they're when they're discussing it in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that sometimes the teenagers, I, I try to leave for people that have a little bit more background in mental health as well. There are dietitians. I am very good friends with a dietitian that is a mental health counselor as well as a dietitian. And so I gear them more towards people like that instead of working with me because I believe they need that added bit. Or if they do work with me, they have to be working with a mental health counselor at the same time. And I have to be able to talk with them. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. And is there any way, can you walk us through maybe what one of your intake sessions looks like? Or are you comfortable doing that? Or Yeah, I mean, so typically with anybody, I get to know everything about them, you know, their height, their weight, uh, their sizes, uh, you know, the size they believe they should be, the size they currently are, the size they <laughs> think that they are, right? Um, you know, do they avoid wearing certain, like, do they avoid having to find a size? Do you, you know, like, I, um, any one, any woman knows you can walk into four different department stores and you're four <laughs> different sizes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me the department store you like to go in to try on clothes and why. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to know what their what their dreams are, their where their questions are about nutrition, uh, what they think this program is going to get them, what's going mm-hmm. to stop them, what's held them back in all their past things. You know, the thing that holds you back in the previous work in the previous uh, diet is the same thing that's going to hold you back with me. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and in positive psychology, we talk a lot about work life, love balance, and sometimes it's difficult for people to eat healthy while they're working, trying to live their life and maintaining relationships. And I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but often these relationships tend to revolve around food and gatherings. And this is a monumental task to find a balance between or maintain a balance between all of these things. So where can someone begin kind of today in terms of striking this balance? Any advice there? Well, first of all, I think the thought process is you have to understand even our television shows revolve around TV. Like Friends is one of the most revered TV shows of all time. And 90% of it, maybe 50, takes place in a coffee shop. Right. And we all know coffee shops in the 90s didn't have anything but muffins and bagels and Mm -hmm. pastries. And there was nothing, quote unquote, healthy about them. Right. (laughs) Um, Fast forward to the 2000s when you get into how I met your mother and they're sitting at a bar. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I literally think they targeted the same group. They just aged with them. Right. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> right. Agreed. Agreed. I've watched one of my favorite shows. shows you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. I watched both of my favorite. They're, 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 they're both of them. I love them. Yeah, I yeah. like how though, and how I met your mother, they actually tear down friends a little bit. They're like sitting in a coffee shop and they're like, Nope, not the same. How would you ever just sit around the coffee shop and enjoy <laughs> having a chat? You know, it's like destroy an entire television show in one, one episode. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, no, I digress there, but, uh, with that, you have to go in with a certain level of, I want to say groundedness and knowing. So I teach tactics that allow you to read foods, to know 
my body wants that versus my mind wants that versus I'm forced to eat that due to the environment I'm in, right? When you go to a birthday party and someone offers you cake or ice cream and you say no, you're questioned. Mm -hmm. When you go to a bar and it's just a bar and you're asked for your drink and you order a mocktail, you're questioned. Okay. So the pressure of that potentially chooses you that. So if you can learn tools that allow you to know yes or no, and firmly be in your yes or no, you're going to be able to release that connection to the food in the situation Mm -hmm. and be able to say no Mm -hmm. and not have somebody throw you back. Does that answer that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And is that part of what you call or what you teach um, called mindset dieting? Is that what that is? Or what is mindset? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mindset dieting is really now called uh, the secret energy of food, which is is what is the energy behind it? Uh, Mm -hmm. Mindset dieting is really that your mind has much more control over you than you believe. And the decision of what you're going to eat was made up long before you ever open the menu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the secret energy of food taps in more and goes a level deeper to allow you to understand through reading the food and not just going with what your initial gut was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've never been a dieter myself, I think, because I've seen how it works for a minute for someone. And then five minutes later, they gain back all their weight and sometimes more. And plus, I like to eat and try new foods, like you said before. Um, But I could certainly stand to lose some weight. So what now if I'm not a dieter? So you don't have to be. It is somebody that uh, typically finds me because they have more shame and guilt around food. Um, And that is a huge piece that I do for people. However, if you're looking to lose weight and you're looking to do it the most healthful way, this is going to be the right way to do it as well. Uh, Why and where would you start and how would you go about thinking that? The thought process has to be, you have to internally know, like I, I tell people, you have to fully be engaged. Like now is the time. Okay. If you're only like, yeah, you know, like I really need to lose that 10 pounds, but you're like, I don't really feel like I need to lose the 10 pounds. Or if your stake is not firmly in the ground, I'm getting rid of this weight and I'm getting rid of it now. It doesn't matter if you see me or if you see Tony Robbins personal, you know, trainer, it doesn't matter who you're looking at. If you're not going to be a hundred percent in your yes, Mm-hmm. No matter what program or whatever Google system you find, you'll never yeah. succeed. And no Noom coach or Weight Watchers coach or a keto person or pill is ever going to change that for you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if I, and sorry if this is a little repetitive, but if I want to lose tummy weight as a middle-aged woman, what is the best way to achieve this? Is there certain exercises or certain foods that I should 100% avoid? or definitely be eating? Yeah. So that's a great question. So you could Google right now and find all of those things, right? You could Google and somebody's going to be like, do these exercises to lose your tummy. And you have like 15 exercises that you can do every day and you Mm -hmm. go and do them every day for 15 days and, or 50 days. And you're like, I don't really notice any difference in my tummy. Okay. So then you Google next and you're like, what food should I avoid? So you take out all the gamut (laughs) of foods 
you realize how quickly you hate giving up cheese and something else that's on the list. So you quickly fall out of that one. So then you go to foods that are going to help me to lose my uh, tummy. You know, I'd rather incorporate foods than take them away. And then you quickly realize that while kale is delicious some days, it is not good every day in large quantities. And so you're back at square one, right? So what do you really need to do to lose the tummy weight? You really have to go inward and uh, be taught what your body actually needs. That's just the thing with the way we're taught to diet. We take everything. We take everything out. This is good. This is bad. Don't eat this. Eat that. Um, do this exercise. Don't do this exercise. Uh, there's a whole diet book based on how you should eat based on the moon cycle, your hormone cycle, where you're at. To me, that just sounds so stressful. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. All right. Okay. So I just started my period. What day? Uh Okay. 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 Now I'm in perimenopause. And I know I used to start my period around the full moon because I've been tracking that because I was paying attention. And now I'm like, okay, so now what foods again do I need to go to eat and what foods do I need to avoid and what exercises am I supposed to? Okay. So see the stress, the stress in that is causing the tummy. And that's what people don't get that this tummy weight is coming from the stress. So what would be an easier way is you learning the tools of just being able to look at, I wish I had food on my desk, which I don't because I don't keep food. (laughs) I have gum though. Okay. Just be able to, so if I'm taking my gum and I'm looking at my gum, I can get a read. I teach tools that allow you to look at the objects that you're trying to eat and know instinctively, yes or no. And that's where I go back to that, you know, when you're in the social setting, when you're under certain circumstances, you're doing it because of the situation, mm-hmm. not because you want it. I'm eating the cake and ice cream because I'm at a party, not mm-hmm. because I want the cake and ice cream. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how to lose the tummy is really actually quite simple. We just make it really complicated. The other piece that I teach in my program is, is through neuroscience. Mm -hmm. We're trained. I'd say a majority of women are trained that once we get into perimenopause, menopause, uh, or early or later years, we gain weight. Mm -hmm. And I call BS every day of the week. How many skinny people do you know in your 50s, 60s, 70s? I know a lot of them. Mm. I know some women in their 60s that weigh less now than they did in their 30s. So I don't believe that is true. And people are like, well, it's just their hormonal changes. I was like, but we're all in a normal range. Like, just like there's a normal range of hormones when we're in our 30s, there's a normal range for hormones when we're in our 50s and 60s and 70s. And there's a normal range for, oh, you're in perimenopause versus menopause versus menopause, postmenopause, right? We know that based on measuring the hormones. So we're going to find a problem with anybody's hormones if we're looking to find a problem. And what do we associate that with? Tummy weight. But if you were given the right tools and you could trust your own instinct and your own ability, you wouldn't have the same. If you were raised by a mom who never had a weight issue or a thought or, well, we gain weight when we hit a certain age and you never heard that growing up, you won't live that out. Mm-hmm. Just like if you were, ra- you know, I think there's like a record of um, like research on People that are on welfare have like families have been on welfare. The same families have been on welfare for generations after generations after generations, right? Because you're raised there, right? That's the mentality. Weight is no different. Mm -hmm. It falls prey to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So how to really lose the tummy weight isn't a to-do list, which is what I take people away from. It is an instinctual thing. 
that takes time to learn. Mm -hmm. And you do have to use, so I teach from four pillars. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is catered to you nutrition, Mm -hmm. because I don't care what anybody says out there. You can Google your own macro count. So anytime anybody's like, well, I'll count your macros for you and tell you how you need to eat. Go find a macro calculator. You're going to do just as good. Okay. Um, just go on Google and find one. You'll save yourself some money and some time. Okay. But that doesn't give you an answer. Okay. It's just your macro count. Okay. You can go and you can find out what, what your level of ketones needs to be by getting a little ketone strip, right? You can go to Weight Watchers and learn the points you're supposed to eat and learn how to use the point system. You can do all of those things, but they still stress you out at the end of the day. Did I, didn't I? You're sitting on the back patio, you're enjoying a glass of wine and you're like one more and I'm going to be over my points or whatever. And now the stress comes in. Okay. So catered to you nutrition is really actually learning what your body needs. Uh, and it may not be that you have to get rid of a bunch of foods. It may be like, you can eat that bread, but not that bread. You can have that pasta, but not that pasta. And it could be the same exact thing basically, but just different companies, just different distributors, things like that. Um, so that's key. Number one, key number two is detoxing your kitchen. There's a lot of energy in your kitchen Mm -hmm. and a lot of things that are playing into your weight that you don't even know are happening. So getting into that, the third thing is, uh, some energy work I do with people to help them heal. If you had a mom or a dad that chronically dieted, or you were put on diets at an early age, or you heard these things about weight, that's energy that's in your body that maybe wasn't yours, but you're living out that energy. And then the fourth piece is this, this neuroscience piece of you're only living out the patterns you were taught. Mm-hmm. So if you don't learn something new, you'll be that way. I had a client that I, I said to her, when you were little, were you taught that if you ate a certain way, you were going to look like someone? Just an intuition I got. She said, yeah, whenever my sister and I would sit there and eat candy at night, she said, if you keep that up, you'll look like your aunt so-and-so. And I said, and is aunt so-and-so morbidly obese? And they said, Yeah. Said, there's your answer because you were catered to understand. But as a three year old, four year old, five year old, six year old kid, you're not going to give up the candy for that. You don't understand the consequence. You're just taking the pattern and making it your own. Mm -hmm. So, all four of those things have to be there to lose the tummy weight. And it's completely possible without ever having to spend hours on Google. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of valuable information. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. And then turning to diabetes for a second, um, could you maybe give us some background on that and what should, if there's anything people should be doing or avoiding so they don't contract diabetes? And of course, is this vary by age? Again, just blank slate. We don't know anything. (laughs) That's a great question. So Mm -hmm. most diabetes, the majority of diabetes in America can be completely controlled through diet and exercise. There is still some that is not controlled by diet and exercise. Uh, there is, you know, just like autoimmune diseases or food allergies and things like that. That's not really under your control, but there are a ton of, uh, you know, diabetes that could be controlled. So how to avoid it is really where I would go. I I would tell people If you're looking to avoid diabetes, you need to keep yourself physically active. You need to be walking and not walking at the very least. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We used to believe you had to walk for 30 minutes a day, five times a week. Now we process that you could walk three times a day for 10 minutes and do that five times a week and you're suffice. You don't actually have to do all 30 in a row. 
So it's become even easier for people to think about it like, okay, show up to work 10 minutes earlier, walk around work for 10 minutes, go inside work, go to lunch, eat lunch, walk around for 10 minutes, go back to work, get off work, go home, walk around my house for 10 minutes, right? It doesn't have to be a a strenuous thing for you to get a result. Uh, Mm -hmm. As for diabetes, you know, the other things I really tell people to do is, you know, learn your risk factors that you may have. You can, you can go to the American Diabetes Association. I think it's still called that. I think ours changed, but theirs didn't. Um, and find out the symptoms or the, the risk factors that increase your chance of developing type two diabetes. So that way you're aware of that. You know, my husband's, uh, dad has, has type two diabetes. He, he would, he would tell you he doesn't. So if he does listen to this <laughs> podcast, he's going to tell me I did not, uh, and that's fine. I, I accept that. Okay. But he, uh, he does because based on his A1C and it's controlled by a medication to get him down. Um, and my husband has said every once in a while, like, I, I think that puts me at more risk to have type two diabetes. I was like, I mean, by a slight amount, that's not type two diabetes technically isn't exactly a family linked disease. Um, unless it's grown for generations upon generations, that's based more solely on your own personal risk factors. Like I tell my husband all the time, you're active, you work out four times a week. Um, you are paying attention to what you're eating. I mean, you're married to me, but, uh, that <laughs> sometimes he eats healthier than I do. I mean, <laughs> I will admit that he's always like, I think I've had enough carbs for the day or something. I'm like, I'm going to eat the bread, man. It tastes delicious. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that I, I follow a different system than he does. And that's part of what makes this work. But for diabetes, it would be that, you know, I'd really go into to knowing that. And if you're really extremely worried, I would talk to a diabetes educator. I wouldn't talk to my doctor first. I would speak to a diabetes educator um, that you could easily look up online. I think like health healthprofs.com or something you can find one in your area. And I'm sure they'd do like a one one on meeting with you to just do it as like a uh, intervention and ahead of thing, which so many people don't do. They don't want to know ahead of time. They wait till they get it and then treat it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what you do as well, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's part of your, one of your programs. Yeah. I, I want to help you before something occurs. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, you have to be in your yes to choose to solve it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And if there was a high school student heading off to college or in high school currently, and they were interested in pursuing your line of work, um, what are things that maybe they should be reading or looking at right now to prepare for college and those pathways and programs that they're going to be getting into? That's a great question. And my thought process would be, Pay attention to the things you're seeing online and really follow some dietitians that are out there. There's a ton of them that you could follow, like just put diet registered dietitian into the search bar and whatever platform you're at. Most of them that are dietitians will have that on there that you'll find uh, and follow them and then figure out which way you like the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, you know, I would say is really tap into any basic nutrition you can. I mean, my two, my three favorite courses in college was one, the basic nutrition class, which taught us the very beginning. My second one was food science. I loved food science, like how you mix all these things together and they chemically make a cake. It mm-hmm. was absolutely fabulous. 
I almost became a food scientist and said, but I wanted to work with people and not products. Uh, but I loved it. it. My brain just loved that course. And the last one was um, metabolic something. I can't even remember the name of the course, but it taught you, I'll never forget it. Each time we learned how to take a carbohydrate, a fat and a protein from the moment it touched your lip to the moment you excrete it in your poop, how <laughs> it is digested in your body. I loved that. And you had to write all, all she gave us was two free pieces of paper. And it was like, describe how a carbohydrate is digested from beginning to end. Uh, Jeanette McCauley, I feel like now if I, when I get this, I'm going to send it to you because that was my absolute, everybody hated those tests. There were three tests, one on carbs, one on protein, one on fats. I loved it. I love, I thought it was so fascinating to think, you know, a carbohydrate is literally starting digestion. The moment it touches your lips now, fat and protein are not the same way. People don't, people always wonder, you know, like when you have low blood sugar, why juice? I'm like one, cause it's so easily absorbed. And two, because the carbs start digesting right here in your mouth, right mm -hmm. here in your mouth, like hold a cracker in your mouth for 30 seconds. And that cracker gets sweeter because you're breaking it down. There's a chemical response. The enzymes are already attacking it. So it's breaking down the sugar molecules in your mouth. Like how awesome is that? So, I mean, those would be the things that I would suggest just because I loved them the most, but anything nutrition wise, I think the thing that I, I'm feeling most called to learn more about now is herbs and spices mm -hmm. and how those are. I, I've been using so many more now that I live in Spain instead of the States. Uh, I just met somebody that does like this amazing tea that is like, she gets them like these herbs and spices from these awesome reputable sources and the way that she's getting them is just like, wow, this is amazing. I'm sure this tea is very expensive, but I'm still going to look at a website and promote her because I think it's absolutely awesome. But uh, herbs and spices are my next thing that I really think that I could see myself getting into. So so follow your hunch and your lead if that's something that you're interested in doing. Um, and know that there are so many traditional and non-traditional routes now for helping people with nutrition. Yeah. And I think it's so important for high school kids, especially to understand that there are a variety of careers out there and just not your typical careers that people always get pushed into. So that's part of why I like to ask that question. And you just listed off so many different unique things that people could do related to the field of nutrition. So I absolutely love that. Um, and along that line, um, maybe in the last year or so, are there any people in your field that you tend to follow or really enjoy their work, any specific books or videos or anything like that? But I mean, you're very knowledgeable, so you may not need to tap into those things. So I do a lot of my work in the other areas because of learning more. I mean, one of my biggest mentors right now, her name is Siobhan Moran. She has nothing to do with nutrition. Oh, um, uh, although she does, she is the creator, the writer of the book, The Secret Energy of Food. And she, she allows me to use the title, The Secret Energy of Food. Thankfully, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and she and I did a course together, a self-study course on The Secret Energy of Food and how food works for you. It's one of my favorite things for people to learn. Like never work with me. That's completely fine. But take this course. It will change your life. The secret energy of food. Like if you do anything for yourself, it will, it, it will change your mind uh, on how you think about food and how you are about food. Uh, but the other reason why is because she really opened my mind to energy. And so as I spoke about one of my pillars, it's energy mastery. And that is that you're given a lot of energy around food. 
you know, think of the peer pressure you're having the next time you're like, I just don't want to have a drink. I don't want to, but everybody else is ordering one. Or think about the peer pressure the next time, you know, everybody's eating cake and you're like, I really just hate that icing. I don't want that. Or I'm, I'm a fan of cake. I like cake, but if it's chocolate cake, I don't eat it. People are like, why not? I was like, I don't like chocolate cake. Everybody's always like, but you like chocolate. I understand. I like chocolate. I don't like chocolate cake. I don't like the taste of chocolate cake. I would get the piece of cake, but all I'm going to eat is the icing. So what is the point? You know, I'm not two anymore. I'm not going to just eat the icing. Whereas when I was two or three, I certainly would, you know, and then some, but my thought process to people is that when I go to follow somebody, when I really pay attention because of a nutrition standpoint, it's because they're saying something from a different piece and the energy behind your food, your life, that is more pinnacle than learning a Snickers bar has more man-created ingredients than an apple. We could all know that. The apple's been around way longer than the Snickers bar, right? But it doesn't make the Snickers bar bad in some circumstances, right? Ask a starving man on the street if they'd rather have an apple or a Snickers bar. I guarantee you they're going to choose a Snickers bar because it sticks around longer, right? So you can note that there are different reasons for things. And so, you know, she's one of the people I would follow. I mean, I would say follow myself because obviously of course. I, I already have. Um, <laughs> oh, good. And then I think the, uh, the only other person that I think has really stood out to me along the time for nutrition purposes, doesn't really have anything to do with nutrition. She talks about it, but Mel Robbins, she talks about exercise from the real point of how bad exercise sucks, okay, <laughs> for some people and how much it is a drag to have to initiate. She does talk about health the same way and she does talk about alcohol the same way mm-hmm. um, in terms of like alcohol is poison and she knows it, but it's so hard to say no. So I think it's good to hear realistically from somebody who's actually sharing their challenge with you. Uh, so I would probably say she would be somebody else I would follow from a standpoint of learning, maybe more motivation. Mm-hmm. So, all right, excellent. I have tons of books and things I'm going to look up after this for sure. <laughs> and if we could shift to a personal note real quick, um, I noticed on your website, leslieurbis.com, it says that you got married to the man of your dreams in a hurricane. Would you mind telling that story? Yeah, of course. Everybody really <laughs> likes that story. I guess I got to leave that in because in my new bio, I was like, we need to take that out. Nobody cares. Oh, no, really like that. So, all right, I'll have to, I'll have to tell my, uh, my website person. We'll keep it in, but, oh, uh, how did we get married in a hurricane? Well, in 2017, there were a lot of hurricanes that potentially were going to hit Jacksonville, Florida, but somehow they all curled somewhere else. The one right before us hit in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. I still cannot remember the name of that one. Um, but Right after that one hit, there was another one brewing right after it. And I just looked at my fiance at the time and I was like, uh, that one's coming to us. I can just feel it because it would hit the weekend that it would come. And we watched it build and watched it build and watched it build and watched it build. And, and come Monday before I was getting married, some people started backing up. You know, we get married on Saturday. Some people started backing out. You know, we've been watching the weather. We just don't feel comfortable. That's fine. It's totally fine. The, the, at that time, the airlines were allowing you a full refund due to weather worries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday, more kind of dropped out. Everybody's still telling my husband and I, we're doing great. We're doing good. We're doing good. Everything's going to be fine. Okay. 
Okay. Wednesday comes along. My sister, Lori lives in Fort Myers. So she was driving her way up to Jacksonville, Florida, where we lived. My mom, my dad, my uh, cousin, my other cousin, my aunt and uncle, my aunt, my grandma, my mom, my dad got on an airplane from St. Louis, Missouri to Jacksonville, Florida. And they were maybe 10 minutes in the air when my husband sent me a text message. Mm -hmm. And it was a receipt that just said refund of the X amount of dollars we had paid for our wedding on Saturday. And I was like, okay, we don't, we don't have a reception hall. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we still have the church. So I called my sister. I was like, everybody just got on a plane and I have no reception hall. What am I going to do? She's like, it's fine. It's fine. Just pour yourself a mimosa. We'll figure it out. I was like, yeah, mimosa is going to make me think straight, but I'm doing it anyways, because my husband is at work. I'm off at this point because I was cleaning the house before everybody was getting in. Um, and I, I just, I just remember cleaning the house. Like, what are we going to do? I have no idea what we're going to do. I replanned our wedding. I say, I uh, don't get me wrong, Ian. I'm not saying that you didn't try to help, but I <laughs> replanned our wedding four times in three days. And from Wednesday, actually two days, Wednesdays and Thursdays, we replanned. We came up with a bunch of different venues. We tried a lot of different things. And we confirmed that our uh, reception place, which was just a restaurant, it was a wonderful restaurant, was going to let us come on Friday. So on Wednesday, when we confirmed it, she said, you have to pay today in case you back out. And I said, fine, completely fine. So she charged our credit card for the meals uh, to hold our spot for Friday night. And on Friday morning, the day before we were supposed to get married, I just looked at my husband and I said, we got to get married today, don't we? He's like, I think so. Because everybody was going to get in their cars on Saturday after our wedding and just leave. And I was like, what kind of reception is that? Like, nobody's going to drink. Nobody's going to have fun. Everybody's going to be worried about this really long drive they have from Jacksonville to St. Louis or Jacksonville to Atlanta or Jacksonville to Texas or wherever they were going. I'm like, we're just not going to do it. And he agreed. So he got up and went to work. I got up and taught spin class. Uh, My (laughs) sister got in the car with me at the time. I just looked at her. I was like, we're going to get married today. She's like, okay, so what are we going to do about hair and nails? It was like, I don't know. You're on it. Cause she always got her hair done by people in Jacksonville. I didn't, I didn't even have a hair artist to my name. I just had the people that were coming the next day and they had uh real, they had not real jobs, but they weren't, this wasn't their full-time gig. This was like a side hustle. So they had to go to work. They couldn't come do our hair. So my sister pulled that off and we got married the day before and technically the day before the hurricane hit. So that way everybody could safely get away before anybody had to worry about driving in really intense weather. And I just remember the day after I'm cleaning again because my house was just full of crazy amounts of people and they did all of our hair and makeup in my house. And I was like, oh my, I can't, the hairspray. So I'm cleaning the house again the day after we got married. And I looked at the wall and I just looked at my husband and I was like, everything is dated wrong. And he was, what? I was like, everything says 9-9-2017. That's today. We got married yesterday. I was like, that was the thing that I got mad at. Like not even all the other things. It was just like, this is just wrong. Everything is dated wrong. So everybody heard the whole dated wrong thing. My husband bought a picture of us after we got our wedding photos with like the right date on it. And my mom, the gift that my mom gave me, which had our date on it, she actually got redone. 
but oh. nothing else got redone. So we have different wedding dates. Can't wait to tell my kids the story. Uh, and we actually have two sets of wine glasses, one with the right date and one with the wrong date. So we use them each year, one on one date, one on the other, because we might as well celebrate twice. But yeah, so that's that's our story. You know, it's okay. I don't uh, I don't mind it at all. For a long time, I was really mad at it. Now I'm not. And what's funny is my last cousin, the cousin that's uh, the last cousin of my mom's side of the family, is getting married on what our wedding date would have been this year. And I was like, well, look at that. Somebody's going to use the date after all. <laughs> so it's, it's okay. a great story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It totally works. It's a great story. Okay. I have one last question. I'm being respectful yeah. of your time, but um, it's another personal question. It's kind of a weird, it's my weird oddball question, but what okay. is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? So an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love. I love to wake up early. And I when, I say, <laughs> when I say early, I mean early. I can wake up between 2, 3, 4 a.m. and be perfect. Okay, you happy. got me beat. <laughs> I love to wake up early. I like to, I, I, ha- I guess another obsession to that would be that I love to watch a sunset in the place I'm starting and watch the sun or watch the sun rise in the place I'm starting and the sunset in the place I'm going. Many wow. times I will do weird things like that. When I would go uh, for one of my military drills, I would go from Jacksonville, Florida to San Diego. I would book the flight so I could watch the sunrise and put my feet in the ocean in Jacksonville and make it to San Diego, California to put my feet in the ocean and watch the sunset on the other side. Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I love to do that. And now, um, cause I'm in this beautiful sunroom, which is why the sun kind of set while we were here in the room. Uh, I can watch the sun rise while I work out. And most of the times I'm still awake when the sun is setting. So it's absolutely, I love that. And that's why I think I like to wake up early because there is something to be said about watching the sun come up versus waking up with the sun already up, I think. So mm-hmm. I guess that would be absurd because most people, when they find out I wake up that early, they're like, people are just going to bed. And in Spain, people are really just going to bed. I can't tell you how many times I've been up and I'm like, that person is just coming home. It's three thirty. I'm looking at my. I'm looking out the window in my bathroom. It's three thirty in the morning. That's incredible. I mean, in the states, in most of the places, not the bigger cities, the bars close by two. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. What is happening? You know, like that's yeah. incredible. But I mean, they're out eating dinner at eleven o'clock at night with their one and two year olds. So. Everybody's got a different thing, right? And I love it. So yeah, yeah. I know people thought I was crazy for getting up at 5 a.m., but <laughs> a whole different story. I need to up my game a little bit, apparently. <laughs> well, I used to teach spin classes every morning at 5:45. And I had to get to the gym by five to have a few minutes to myself because I right. really do. I really do enjoy something about working out by myself and having some time just in the exercise to settle it. And I actually learned that's actually a part of my human design, that I need the time to sit and think and breathe and relax and be alone. And that is something that you cannot do when you have a three and five-year-old when they're awake. Mm-hmm. So earlier, the better. Yeah. So tons of valuable information. Is there anything else about your work that you'd like to share that we haven't covered? I don't think so. You know, I think the thing I would leave everybody with is, is truly no, it's all you actually have the key to being the healthiest version inside of yourself. It's just been turned off by everybody else in the world. 
so you can get there. Okay, so there you have it. In this episode, we talked about emotional eating, the secret energy of food, shame and guilt around food, being 100% in your yes, and diabetes. And you can find Leslie at leslieurbis.com for more. And if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can also follow me on Instagram at The Lemon Tree Coaching. I post inspirational quotes that I've encountered along the way and simply want to share them with you. And if you like my show, please share with a friend and follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. And teachers, you may also want to check out The Lemon Tree by AKS on TPT, formerly known as Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm constantly adding resources and lessons each week, several of which I mention on the podcast. For instance, the stop method and rain printouts are now available as a free download as well as the introductory assignment to human strengths. So again, check it out on TPT. My shop name is The Lemon Tree by AKS. You can also find the link in the show notes at thelemontreecoaching.com under the resources tab, as well as some other free resources. And once again, this is Dr. Allison Sukumeli saying, it's been a pleasure sharing this space with you. And until next time, have fun, be safe.